I am so happy that you are listening to Just Breathe. It is my most sincere hope that it empowers you and helps you feel less alone on this journey. If you are looking for more personal and more personalized help, I am now offering coaching services. Text BREATHE to 55444 to learn more. That's B-R-E-A-T-H-E to 55444 to learn more. All right. Welcome to the Silver Lined Relaunch. And I mean, today's show is going to have you be sitting in a room with somebody who has interviewed over 6,500 of the top leaders. And guess what? He's gonna share with you some of his biggest insights. We're gonna talk about gratitude. And what is this whole conversation around a gratitude practice and does it really work? And there is an element of higher self too, because my, my guest today, Corey Poirier, he is a, let me tell you, I gotta even bring out my notes because he is a multiple time TEDx speaker. He is the host of the top rated Let's Do Influencing and the founder of Blue Talks, which we're gonna go into that as well. He's also a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author and so much more. This episode is brought to you by the Fired Up Entrepreneur Program. And this is a program that we are so proud of. The results have been downright remarkable. And we want to invite you to get a glimpse of what it is like inside this program by inviting you to participate in the Business Boot Camp, which is a five-day free event and get involved with this because the pearls that we're going to be sharing each and every day are going to be the foundation for allowing you to make money, keep the money, grow the money and strengthen not only your business, but also yourself. So please take advantage of this and join us at our next bootcamp. You're listening to The Silver Lined Relaunch, and I'm your host, Hilary DeCesar, award-winning entrepreneur and transitional coach. Each week, I'll invite you to tune into inspirational stories, revealing how you too can turn ordinary experiences into the extraordinary. Feeling stuck? I'll share step-by-step -step strategies to fuel your ability to experience a life where silver linings are both abundant and possible. But right now, Corey, I just want to say thank you for taking the time. And I am so excited. For those that don't know you, they will soon know a lot about you. But really, I'm excited for the nuggets that I've already heard when you spoke before. And welcome to a Silver Lined Relaunch. Well, first of all, thank you ever so much, Hillary. And just, you know, I want to say, too, I just love that name. So I, I just want to put that out there right away. Silver Lined Relaunch, I love that. Uh, and so I'm super stoked to be here. And uh, yeah, I've been excited for much of the day. So I'm just ready to jump right in. 
Well, again, we had the pleasure of being guest speakers on a summit. And I always love when I get an opportunity to pop in during a day summit and hear another presenter. And I was quickly taking notes. I'm like, oh, this is so good. And we, I reached out and you were so kind to be like, yeah, let's do this. Let's like talk and discuss some of the things that if, if anyone could be flies on the wall in all of these conversations, what would the biggest takeaways be? So let's just dive right in to what has been your biggest relaunch to date. Wow. So, and it's funny because I would, you know, previous to it all happening, I would love to be a fly on the wall as well. And that's why I ended up doing these interviews is because I wanted to know what these top thought leaders that I had looked at and looked at from afar for so long knew that I didn't know. And so I just want to put that out there that. Oh, it's the I, best I, thing ever interviewing these people that have such incredible stories, life lessons, tips and tricks and all the things I've done about 125 now. And I feel like 6,500 you're the man, but it, you know, it's uh, it, I always look at the fact that, which I feel like we're spoiled almost because I look at the fact that some of these people that I'm bringing on charge $60,000 for a 45 minute keynote and I have them for an hour and I get to ask them whatever I want. But you asked a question that I don't want to push away from, which is, you know, for me, I think as far as relaunching uh, Blue Talks, which you mentioned it in passing, that for me, in a lot of ways, was a biggest, a big relaunch for me. Uh, it was, you know, it really, it didn't relate to, it's, it's weird, it didn't relate to COVID, but it happened right at the same timeline as COVID. So it felt like it was related to COVID, if that makes sense. Like, wait, I heard everybody... Um, March 2020 on, the biggest word was pivot. That was the word I heard in every interview. Oh, I've been pivoting. And I started my quote unquote like pivot. To, uh, hold on, Corey. I like to say relaunch. Yes. It's a big yeah. relaunch. <laughs> yeah. And it, well, it was the global relaunch. One of my uh, co-hosts, Elise Rothman, on our Blue Talks virtual event, she called it the global reset. But, you know, the global relaunch, it's, uh, you know, so for, for me, it would be easy to say that was my, like my relaunch was related to COVID. That would be the sexy answer. But I had started it pre-COVID by months, just months, like six months, where we had Blue Talks was officially launched. It launched after COVID started. So anybody watching in the outside in would think, okay, he did this because of COVID. But we had filmed their first talks in September. Tell us, tell us a little bit before you dive in, what is a Blue Talk? Okay, so the shortest answer that I can give somebody the visual in an instant is if you picture chicken soup and you picture TEDx and you put them together and they had a baby, we'd be the baby. So good. <laughs> that's, that's the easiest way I can describe it because we're like spiritual TEDx talks, essentially, uh, in a lot of ways. And, and I mean, if you, if you, anything as far as the mission, the vision, the strategy, nothing is the same. Like there's no, he, hey, we copied TEDx. It's just that it's the closest thing I can say to what we're doing because there's not a lot of branded talks out there that, that have events that go to different places. And so that, so Blue Talks though is more now than just that. Blue Talks is multi-platformed. And when I say that, what I mean is uh, we have the live events, which is what started it all. So let's do, let's bring speakers together in a live event capacity. But this is what did change a lot in a lot of ways due to COVID is we decided to add more elements to it. So we added a book series. So mm -hmm. the Blue Talks anthology book series, which there's they're over there, but four of them are out now. Fifth one's coming out in like three weeks. Sixth one's coming out in the new year. And so there's the Blue Talks book series. 
there's the podcast, which is just dedicated to Blue Talks. So it's Blue Talks interviews and live talks, but audio. Then there's the virtual stage. Because of COVID, we decided let's do virtual as well. And our first virtual event had over 40,000 viewers. So we said, okay, this, this needs to be done. And then now, uh, even on top of that, it's become a lot of other things. Like we write a column for a magazine, but it's also... Um, Things like awards, I wanted to have an awards thing. So in 2022, early in the year, we'll be launching a Blue Talks Awards, our first annual. Uh, we're also doing like a Huffington Post type website where everybody in Blue Talks can submit their articles. And but then of course- Corey, well, Corey, let me ask you, when we talk about massive relaunch, like most significant, why launching this out of all the things that you've done, why are you saying this is the most significant? Because there's a couple of reasons for that, but I feel like the reason it's the biggest relaunch is because of where I was when I decided to do it. So it's more related to my life personally than it is how big it is in size compared to another thing. Now, the company, Blue Talks as a company, has been very profitable. Like it's done quite well. And especially considering it's now we're only just over 12 months old. And if I told you that not the numbers alone, but the statistics of all the things that have happened with Blue Talks, like where we're airing, like on Connect TV and Apple TV and Roku and all these places, that seems fairly wild. And it would make it seem like the biggest relaunch. But why to me it's the biggest relaunch is because of where I was at. So put it in perspective, if I wouldn't have launched Blue Talks and if I would have had a normal year in 2020, so for example, if COVID wouldn't happen, all that kind of stuff, I would have done about 60 talks in the first quarter of 2020, 60 paid speaking engagements. So if it was a normal year and I didn't launch Blue Talks, that's, I'm just going to throw a number up, but that's maybe 250 to $300,000 in revenue mm -hmm. that A, if COVID happened and I didn't have a pivot, I would have lost that revenue. Absolutely. A lot of major speakers did. Yeah. And then, but then I flipped the other side, which is that I actually um, planned on purpose to lose that revenue to launch blue talks so that's why to me it's a big relaunch is because um of what it involved what i was sacrificing because my business was doing this and to have your business doing that and then go you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna throw something else into the middle of this right uh, now yeah i love that you said that i had planned to already lose that and then that's exactly what would have happened 100 percent, and and it would have and there's no question at all so it, it, I mean, it would have been devastating from a point of view of it would have been a scrambling pivot had it had it hit. And then all of a sudden you have all these talks that are getting canceled every hour. Like I know speakers and, you know, and I was being conservative in those numbers, but I know speakers that, you know, somebody like, let's say a Les Brown. Now, Les Brown didn't lose, but I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll reword that. I would guess that Les lost revenue because of the live talks that get canceled, but because of Les's background in history he was able to replace that with virtual immediately he's a powerhouse tony robbins you know those, that those guys recovered immediately but what i'm getting at is somebody that would be at this fee level that less is at but maybe um they're a business speaker and they're not like less where it's incoming all day every day saying we want to book less then they would have lost maybe a half a million dollars in that first quarter and, and so, and it, and it varies, right? There's some people that would have lost 10,000 and it would have been a nightmare. But I mean, so it doesn't matter the numbers, but the point is, as what you said, a lot of speakers lost a lot of money. And, and it was, not, and it was silver not. lining. Silver lining for you is that you had already started down the path. And next thing you know, you're like, okay. And this starts to take off. Blue Talks is like, it, it's a brilliant concept. 
And how many, how many talks have you done to date? Now I have to ask, cause there's, a, there's like a, a five way different ways to answer that question. So do you mean <laughs> my personal talks, ignoring blue talks, or do you mean with blue talks? Like how many we've, how many speakers we put on stage? So it depends on which way you mean that question. Well, let's just say the ones that have been on stage. Okay. So you're talking blue talk specifically, right? Correct. Okay. So I would say we're just over a hundred speakers have taken blue talk stages. Now, interestingly, that's through COVID. So if COVID hadn't happened, the number would be closer to 300 mm. in the same 12, uh, 14 to 16 months. We've been going two years. Like we started filming before we ever going to go launch. Uh, mm. So there's some aspect of that that happened before, but we would have had uh, six events between that, like between when COVID started and now essentially, and those six events, we would have had about 30 speakers per event. So, Corey, so, people, so people understand this. If there is a TEDx concert, TEDx, how many speakers would go during one TEDx? Event? Usually around 10 to 14. And the difference with us is usually a TEDx is almost always a one day event. So what we try to do, if we're going into say, like one of them was at Harvard, then what we have one coming up at Columbia University in New York. And so that event, Columbia, we're thinking of adding a third day. So we have, we can have 10 to 12 speakers a day. So we have at least already 25 booked and we may add another 10. So we might have 35 speakers in one weekend or one three day period. So that's where those numbers come in. But normally at a one-off one day event, you would have 10 to 12 speakers. Now also you got to remember TEDx, each event's organized uh, independently and there's thousands of TEDx's. Sure. So it would be tough for them to do two and three day events is what I'm getting at. But yeah, right. so that's that. And so what we're trying to do, because I hate that the word content, because we all just use that word now, like it's instead right. of like, it's almost like a number, but for lack of a better word to say, we need content as a distributor with the stuff. So it makes sense if we, if we have the 30 speakers to do 30 at one time, because we're bringing in sound people for that weekend. We're bringing in videographers. We're getting everybody lined up anyway. If we can do two or three days of uh, filming, it's better for us. And for the audience, we can either have the same audience if we want that can come to all three days, or we can have separate, if we fill it and we need more room, we could do three separate days of audience members as well. Mm, okay. So I often talk about what I've coined as the three HQ, which is getting out of your head into your heart so that you can get to this higher self and then really be able to manifest, bring in the law of attraction, everything that you, it's been kind of holding you back, not being able to reach it. And people have this tendency to be like, what happened? Why isn't this happening? And I've really been able to help people go and walk the journey and be able to just open up this, you know, all of the things that they never thought was possible. And it's really, you know, expect the unexpected right? It's like, no, no, no. I'm just expecting everything to be same old, same old. But then all of a sudden they get the unexpected. I also have noticed that higher self, that is for many people, this, who, what is that? It's like, woo, it's way out there. When you talk about, and I'm hearing the passion in your voice, and I know from talking to you and having you know conversations that you have been able to get out of your head. You've been aligned with the heart, your why, what is, you know, the, the thoughts, the feelings associated with what you really wanted to move into. But let me ask you, as you're sitting here now, 
and you have now shifted and moved into that future identity of the guy you are now, how would you describe that journey for you with this concept of higher self? It's really quite confusing. So I'm going to take a different approach or swing at it. And I'm going to tell you, first of all, if this was right now, if I was in my 20s, so let's say if I was in my anywhere up until like 25, I wouldn't even understand what you're talking about. I would be be the person that you're talking about. This is what is this? This all woo woo. And I wouldn't even probably know the term woo. woo. I don't think I did at that age. Having said that, what happened, what changed? And, but I'm going to answer your question more directly. What happened for me that changed it sounds really a weird way in, but I was having balance problems. The doctor medical system couldn't help me. And they said, we think it's probably something inside your ear, like an inner ear or something, but we can't fix it. Good luck. Have a good life. And so I was like, okay, well, I, that's not, that doesn't strike me as, you know, I don't think I want to spend the next 60, 70, 80 years just going, oh, well, I'll just have to live with this. And so I tried different things like ear candling. And, and, you know, I think I even tried having somebody like try to poof it out of me. Like I, I went, I was just like, I'm going to try anything. And what changed, what happened was I, somebody introduced me to yoga. So I went to a yoga class. Um, I liked the Shavasana at the end where it was like meditation. And that was what kept me going back. But the balance thing, I had, didn't think much more of it. I just said, I like this. I'll just keep going. About two and a half months, the person that recommended me, the two and a half months later, they said, so you still have the balance problems. And you said, you know, I never thought about it. Let me see. And before, if I was standing straight, I would be like moving. Now I did the uh, tree pose and I was perfectly straight. And I said, I wonder if, and I closed my eyes and did tree pose and was still perfectly straight. So I went from a guy with my eyes open who couldn't stand up without uh, swaying to eyes closed on tree pose, uh, one leg. And so that told me there's something else. And it sounds like a weird way to hear that, but I was meditating for a minute every time I went to yoga and it helped my balance problems, which the system said can't be helped. So that, it sounds like a weird way in because yoga is really not super woo-woo yet. I mean, because it's like, it's still like exercising and other people can, get into it easily. So having said all that, that's what sort of what started opening the door for me to say, maybe other things are possible than I think. Fast forward now, um, my girlfriend's a Reiki master and a shamanistic healer. My mother is a, um, my mother's done tarot cards since as long as I can remember and read tea leaves. And but she would bring me to tea leaf readings. And I've had like, um, Oracle, so this lady we know, Oracle, who basically told me all these major things that were going to happen that have happened. Now, I won't go down that rabbit hole because, you know, that doesn't help people. I want to give practical. Like, when I, you go down that rabbit hole, then people are like, yeah, but that could be. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, everyone, stay with us here because where this yeah. is going is really good. But yeah, yeah, you know, some of these things that you have talked about, people are going to be like, I don't even get that. Again, it only further validates this concept of higher self, like, do I need to do all those things? How am I going to get there? And the answer is absolutely. You don't have to do those things, but I love your simplistic way that you found in yoga with that last one minute of meditation that, Hey, something, something's changing here. Yeah. And let me add too. The next thing that happened for me was around the energy side of things. I didn't, I read a book about energy and I'm like, eh, I don't know if I, what I think about that. So here's what changed with that. And I'm talking now for a person that doesn't get this to see how practical this can be is I started looking and saying, well, let me think about this. And so I was looking at this energy thing and I said, well, okay, how can I look at this in a practical way? Is there such thing as energy? And 
what popped into my head was about my mother's dog and my mother's dog would not let a certain person in the yard. So my mother uh, did the books for the slow pitch league, ball slow pitch league. So 200 men would come to her house and bring their ID to prove their age. This one guy, no matter how many times it went there, would, the dog would not let him in the yard. Everybody else, she'd wag her tail and they'd pet her and everything. And then, I, so I said, well, that's, what is that if that's not energy? But then I, so then I thought about, oh, what about that person in my family can never hold that one baby? but everybody else can hold the baby. What's that if that's not energy? Then I thought, have I ever been in, like, then I thought, what about when I walk into a room? Have, ever I, have I ever experienced where the energy shifts? Like somebody walks in the room and you're all like, uh-oh, don't, you know, and then you might not have even said anything, but that person. Oh, you I, know it. You know it. It's like, rah, rah. or yeah, the and, opposite. You're like, woo, this is like on yeah. fire. This, well, room. this is so good. Yeah, I believe that's what actors have. Like, you know, people like a, Al Pacino, if he walked in the room, even if we didn't know he's an actor, we're going to say there's something about this guy. I don't know what it is. He's got some sort of aura. And to me, that's his energy. And then the final part is, I would say, like, you go into an elevator and you can tell if a couple was fighting or kissing because of the energy. So what I'm getting at, Hillary, is I didn't believe in this. And so I had to come at it in a practical way and say, if I look at all those things, what else could it be? other than energy. You can't see like what the dog is seeing. They're not seeing anything in their hand or nothing else. The only thing they can judge is by the feeling and that's energy. So that's how I started kind of understanding this a little bit more, but now I want to kind of- Corey, that is a great way to state what energy is all about. It's a great way. I love that. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's like I said, it's because I'm a skeptic. I came into this as a skeptic. So I had to sell myself on, is this possible? And then once I started looking at those things, I thought, well, that, you know, even if I was, um, in, even if I was a person that would never think about getting on a mat to do yoga, I could fully say, I don't like that guy's energy or girl's energy, or I love that girl or guy's energy. So, uh, but to answer the question about, for me, how it's uh, worked its way into my life, because it's went from where I just told you to like next level. And so where it is now for me is, I can't go into much detail on this, but I'm working on a documentary project about just this. Uh, it's with a, an author, I mean, I'll tell you off air, but I've been trying to keep this as a slightly secret project, but I had to do interviews for the project. So I'll put it this way for people. Think of the secret, what the secret was as a film, the law of attraction. What we're doing is something, I'm just gonna say in that vein, in the sense that I had to go around and interview people like Lisa Nichols, who was in the secret, Mike Dooley who was in the secret, Bob Proctor, Jack Canfield. And then also I want to interview people from different walks of life. So like Ken Shamrock, the UFC guy, or Theo Fleury, an NHL um, Stanley Cup player. And I've interviewed all these people. And one of the things I was interviewing them about was synchronicity. So kind of what we're talking about here about how do you uh, start, you know, basically reaching that higher plateau or you start tapping into the universe. Well, I want to tell you one quick thing, which will kind of sum this up. And I had like a hundred stories like this happen. And this will tie into Blue Talks too, but a hundred stories like this happened during the filming of this piece. So I can't say the guy's name, but I had to, I was going to do an interview at one place and the person that was, I was supposed to interview sent me in the wrong direction in, in Miami at lunchtime. So they say Northeast and it was supposed to be Southeast. And you can imagine Hillary, what it'd be like, because you now dr driven an hour and a half the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, are you going to be there if I drive the hour and a half the right way now? Yeah, no problem, buddy. I'll be here. And I got about five minutes from there and I had to ding on my phone. So I pulled over in case it was him telling me something new. And it was him saying, sorry, champ, I had to bail. 
And so I lost three hours of what was supposed to be this interview with this person that I had scheduled like three months in advance. And I'm a lemonades out of, uh, you know, lemonade out of lemons guy. But I said, I'm just going to go to the beach for the afternoon. But my friend, like within about 10 minutes, texted me and said, Corey, are you in Miami now? And I said, yeah. She goes, remember that guy I wanted you to interview? I told you he was in Toronto. Well, now he's he moved back home to Miami. And I didn't even know he lived in Miami ever. And she said, he's back home in Miami. Are, are, do you have time to interview him? And I said, well... I don't know, but I said, I think it just got canceled. I'm here only for two days. That might be short notice. She said, well, let me message him. And she went back and forth and he said, yeah, I can make that happen. And again, I won't go into much detail, but I'll say he's a musician. He's a musician. And, and we, he said, I said, well, I don't have a place to interview him. Normally I book a place in advance. She said, he asked if this studio would work. And it was like this epic studio mm -hmm. where Michael Jackson recorded and the BG. Oh and so I said, yeah, I'm a musician studio. hundred percent. And we can have the soundboard behind him in the, in the scene. I love it. So I went and did the interview uh, at the end of the interview. He said, who can I connect you with besides this? And this is partly why I don't want to say his name because I don't want people to go into him asking him for the connections. But he said, who can I connect you with? And I said, dude, we just met. I don't want to abuse that relationship. And he goes, no, no, no. Just tell me who I can. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. I said, here's, here, here's an idea. If somebody comes to your mind, text me later and then we'll see what happens. So he messaged me before I got to the hotel and he said, how about Bob Proctor, Les Brown and Emmanuel Jaw? And Emmanuel Jaw is a hip hop artist who was a child soldier. Amazing story. And I said, yeah, that'll work. And uh, he connected me with all three and it was lined up within about an hour, all three of them. My point of this whole story, Hillary, and I don't know if people saw as I was painting the story, the point of this whole story is, had that first interview happened, none of the rest would have. None of it. And so, and by the way, this is one story out of a hundred things like that that happened. And so if you think about that, I only filmed for about two months and to have countless things like that happen. These are, that type of thing should only happen once in your lifetime if coincidences are, if it's only such thing as a coincidence and there's nothing beyond that, then that's a coincidence. There should only be one coincidence like that, you know, in at least a year. Well, it goes back to what we discussed. It's the, the unexpected, right? You expected one thing and that didn't work out. And it was, you know, detachment. You're like, hey, let me go to the beach. And instead you got the unexpected because you were open to it and it ended up being like three more interviews that you would have really been challenged to try to figure out how to connect in that short amount of time. That is awesome. That and, is so great. Well, and just, just, to, to, just to give you one last super quick thing, I'll, I'll finish this really quick, but I'll say with Blue Talks, I said I would circle it back since we were talking about Blue Talks. I just wrote an article uh, I forget, I forget what I titled it, but something to the effect of the power of manifestation or can you, are you a manifester or something like that? And I shared the story again, these are all practical stories for me. Cause I, that's all the only way I can work at them. But here's an example. I did a talk in Western Canada person at the talk asked me if I'd speak at her event that weekend. Normally I wouldn't have, uh, there's a whole story as to why, but normally I wouldn't have been able to make it work. Anyway, I went and spoke there that weekend at the end, a lady came up to me and just we we're chatting. And I told her about a project, this actualist documentary I was working on, which had nothing to do with the day why I was there. And she said, oh my God, my son is in Hollywood and he would love to talk to you about this. And so we, she said, can you talk to me for like 10 minutes? I said, sure. So we went behind the kind of scenes and talked to her about 10 minutes. She connected me with her son. Her son owns a Hollywood network, like a, almost like a TV network. And Blue Talks is now on that network. And that's allowed us to stream across various different platforms that we would probably have never reached. We're also, season one is on IMDb, the Internet Movie Database. So now some of our Blue Talk speakers have wow. the same kind of profile as George Clooney and Brad Pitt and Julia Roberts. And all of that happened because of that meeting 
at an event I wasn't supposed to be at. And because a person approached me and because we agreed to, like we were flexible and sat down and talked. Uh, and your energy was in the right place. And you were already living from that specific identity of being able to, hey, this is what I'm creating right now. Universe, let me know who I need to be interviewing, connecting with. I think it's absolutely great. Now, one thing I do want to talk about quickly here before we wrap up is you've had a lot of even the synchronicity types of events that have happened and you're you're right now in such an amazing place and the growth of your business and in your personal relationship as we talked about off the show how can you help me understand how are you right now when things are just coming at you so quickly how are you putting in place some type or do you have a gratitude practice yeah so my girlfriend and I have a gratitude practice that she brought to me, which again, synchronicity, maybe. Uh, I mean, our whole backstory of how we get together is a huge synchronicity story. And we hear that a lot, but I mean, it's, it's pretty mind blowing. And by the way, she's the person that convinced me to interview the person that I'm now working on that documentary project with. So, I mean, and it just goes, it's crazy. Um, and you and but, I are both like, yes, of course this would happen. But yeah, and you, others are like, oh, I want to, I want to get me some of that manifestation <laughs> This well, is how you're doing it. This is, listen to what we're saying. It's so great. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll answer that and give you a strategy at the same time for those that are listening saying, how can I bring more of this into my life? Uh, another friend of mine, um, people might know his book. It's called The Celestine Prophecy. Um, James Redfield's the author. And what James talks about in the book is he makes the case for, you need to be aware of them. Just like when you see a car, when you buy a car, you see it everywhere. If you notice these synchronicities and, and tap into them, you'll start getting more and more of them in your life. And so uh, what I started doing because of that is I started a, grad, or not grad, a synchronicity journal. So every time I have one of these things we're talking about, I write it down. And what I feel that does is it makes me more aware of them. So I get more of them. They're happening anyway, but I notice them now. And so I don't know what they mean. So that's another thing too. I don't know what they mean sometimes that I don't have to. I went to visit a friend the other day I hadn't seen in years. I hadn't seen her dog in years either. And her dog's name is Bella. Next day we go to my girlfriend's brother's house. His dog's name is Bella. Third day, uh, that was a Saturday, Sunday. Monday, I'm on it with a client and her dog's barking. I said, let me talk to your dog and maybe you know, I can help her settle down. What's her name? Bella. <laughs> Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I don't know what that means. Maybe it just means I'm on the right path. I don't have to know, but I still marked it down. Maybe you need a dog and you need to name him Bella or Bella. Said that actually, that she said those exact words. Or she said either maybe we have to get a dog named Bella or you're going to meet somebody who's going to be that next person that brings you to the next stage whose name is Bella. You know, something like that. Uh, Expect the unexpected. You don't know, but you're open to it with this synchronicity concept. I think you got to be open to it. And I think you have to actually notice when they're happening. And here, so you talked about gratitude, which I'm going to give you my exercise, but you talked about gratitude. I think that's another thing. You have to be grateful for them. The universe likes that. Like, in other words, when I write it down and then say, thank you, like, that's awesome. I can't believe this happened today. Yo, you want more of that then? I don't know if it works that way, but that's how I feel. You want more of that? That's the way I feel too. I go to bed and I'm like, let me tell you how grateful I am on all these things. Let me tell you, you know, the greatness that came. And I go to bed thinking about those things. 100%. So when people say what's practical that you can do, like not just kind of, oh my gosh, um, you know, I got to put a vision board up and then think about it every day. And then I'll have a motorbike that I wished for in my yard with a ribbon on it. I don't think it works like that because that's, you know, we've seen a lot of people talk about how if you just think about it, it, the law, the universe has to give it to you. But I think 
the universe gives you what you need, not what you want. So in other words, it's not going to give you the motorbike with a ribbon just because you say, I want a motorbike with a ribbon. But I, you know, I had, I interviewed a guy named Dr. Greg Reed, just to give him a shout out. Uh, he's, part, he's done stuff with the Napoleon Hill Foundation. He's uh, was part of Think and Grow Rich, the documentary. And, uh, you know, Greg said, gave a great example. He said, people say, oh, I want a hundred dollars, please give me a hundred dollars. And then, and he said, somebody will show up later that day or the next day with a whole truck of cans. Say, do you want these cans? You can bring them to the recycling thing. There's probably 200 bucks there, $150 and say, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to pick up all those cans. And the universe goes, oh, I guess you didn't want your hundred bucks then. <laughs> so you have to be prepared that it might not show up the way you want to. So yeah, I, I still give you what you need, not necessarily, or gives you, yeah, gives you what you need, not what you necessarily want. That is no doubt. I see that all the time. It knows better than we do. It I believe that for better. It turns down something worse so it can give me something better. But the problem is we're tied to this. We think it's got to give us exactly what we want. I think the universe, what you have to say, I mean, I'm not going to get too technical here, but I think you have to say, I want this or something better. And then be okay with the fact that something better might come your way and not this. So having said that. And then I've got to, I've got to give a shout out to Simon Sinek and that whole why, right? The why behind, why do you want it? Why do you want it? And the universe is amazing when you have a really solid why behind it. It really isn't just, oh, I just want it because, you know, a lot of people that know, I often say, you know, instead of just do it, just why it, why everything? Why do you want that? Why are you doing this? Why is that coming up for you? Like you said, synchronicity, why, why is this happening over and over? Why is Bella the dog coming into everything? Just, just be aware, be aware of it. That's great. Okay. So you do have a, an exercise, a, a practice that you do with your, with your significant other. And so can you share that one? Yeah, hundred percent. So uh, she brought it to me. It's called MEPS, M-E-P-S-S. And she's very open about the fact that she uh, went through treatment and is a recovering addict. And she's very open about it because she wants to support other people. She wants, and she, and she gets calls and messages from people saying, hey, can you tell me a little bit about AA? They don't tell, tell anybody else, the family or anything. But because she's so open about it, they feel comfortable. They can privately say to her, hey, can you tell me what this is like? And she'll say, I can drive you there right now if you want to go to work. And ah, so- what a great, what a great woman. But that, and part of that's because- um, She's always felt that if we don't talk about it, it becomes that stigma you push under the rug. So having said that, I only bring that up because uh, that explains to you to tell you where she got it from, which is a treatment center. She went into a treatment center. I mean, one of her treatment centers, they, their whole philosophy, I should say, it's the only one she went to. She only went to one. Her, their whole philosophy is built around the four agreements, if people are familiar with that. And I love that. Like they, they, like they live by those four principles. But the other thing they did was they would have an inventory of themselves called MEPS that they would do in a, like a round circle. So she brought it to me and we started doing it as a couple inventory, like both of us. But it was really a self-inventory, even though we were doing it together. And so we would say, hey, you know, we should do maps right now. And mm -hmm. if we were, let's say we were driving in the car, uh, we'd say, who do you want? Who wants to go first? And let's say, if, let's just say as an example, it was me. I would say, okay, uh, so let's see, mentally, here's how I'm feeling. Um, and then, you know, mentally is in your mind side. And then emotionally is the second one, which would be your feelings. You know, so are you happy, joyful, angry, what have you? And you go through all those. So it's mentally, uh, emotionally, physically spiritually and socially and you do an inventory and say here's how i'm feeling here's where i'm struggling physically you know i wish i was doing yoga more whatever that looks like and how gratitude comes into it is um at the end of it we talk about what we're grateful for 
So it's like, we do the inventory to lay ourselves bare and raw. And then here's what I'm grateful for. The one other thing we add in, which kind of, it's, it's how she learned it. So what she adds in is the, uh, the Hail Mary, I think it's called, or the Holy Grail or Hail Mary. But anyway, what it is, is like, you say, uh, my Hail Mary is a, an eagle. And it's that you want to see that animal, whatever animal it is today, to remind, like, that'll confirm to you that you're on the right track. So she had that in. And the last thing you do. It throws in a sign. You're going to see yeah, a sign. You put it out. A sign. Like it goes to the synchronicity thing. And right. then the end is she, she says, all my relations. And that's an indigenous thing that they learn from the sweat lodges and what have you. All my relations is how she finishes it. So we open up and say, Corey checking in. And then at the end, I'll say, Corey checking out all my relations, which is almost like saying amen or thank you or so, or with gratitude. And so that's our practice but I don't want to discount it, even though I glossed over it. The gratitude part is just, it's equally as strong as those other areas, like the mentally, physically. And the other side is by doing that, if you are having a good run, let's say, when you do the inventory, you're actually giving gratitude as you're saying it. You know, I feel so happy that physically this last week I've exercised five days. I've got to walk five days. And so that's the exercise we do. And I think it can be game changing for people because it's actually checking in with how you're feeling and whether you do it once a week, some people do it daily, uh, but just do a check-in and then they have a gratitude. And I think what you said in regards to, it is a, you know, some, we all love to dig into the steps, right? Give us the steps. Let me start doing it. But this helps you create that habit, which creates that practice that allows you to really understand that yeah you when you do more of this more will happen and you throwing in there the four agreements and don mcgallera's book you know when you add that in it's it's kind of a you know it's putting both together to really have that impact of gratitude i love that okay last question as we wrap you've interviewed 6500 of the world class leaders what is the number one, number one advice that resonated with you that you use in your life daily? Wow. Cause it, it, a lot of times I get asked, what's the timeless secret? You know, what's the secret that they had, but that's different than advice I was given because you know, I can go two different directions. So advice you know if you're used to the secret one, then let's go down that path. I'm good with that one too. Well, I'll, I'll say the secret one and let's see if it leads to the advice as well. But the secret one uh, essentially is what I, I call it the power of no. And so what the secret was, which again, could be considered as advice as well, is I've discovered that the highest of achievers, and none of us like to hear this because we all want to be yes people, but the highest of achievers say no on average upwards of a hundred times more than the average person. So most of us want to say yes, actually, you know, uh, Richard Branson had this quote one time. It said, um, say yes to everything and figure out how to do it later. And it bothered me because I, I did all these interviews and these people were all saying no more. And then finally, somebody showed me the full real Richard Branson quote, which helped me a bit. It said, he said, say yes to all the things you want to do and figure out how to do them later. He didn't say yes to do everything. Ah, but I grew up in a small town. We only take a little bit of that one. That's not, I agree. We got to find out the real, the real meat behind that. Well, Richard Branson has 200 and some companies, and I'm pretty confident in saying the dude's not working the front desk of a 200 and some companies. He's not saying yes to everything. And so, and I mean, you and I, we could try to reach Richard Branson right now and get him on a phone, and chances are we're not going to. That tells me he's not saying yes to everything, because he's saying no to us by not saying, yeah, jump on the call. But people, that, this is how powerful this is. People that have numerous staff actually have people on their staff to 
veto stuff and say no for them that they don't even know happened because some of them would say yes otherwise. There's a lot of high achieving influencers who know they would say yes to a lot of things that would take them off path, but they have people in place to make sure they don't even know about the note. How crazy is that? But they're willing to invest in that. And so what I've discovered out of that, Hillary, though, is we need to start learning how to say no before we have to start saying no. Because it's a lot easier when you're not under pressure and you just can't take anything on. And then you're just, oh, sorry, I can't. And you're lashing out. It's a lot better to do it as a strategic approach before you need to. And so I'll one up this and say, saying no and understanding how to say no to the right things, all the, you know, saying no to the right things that won't move the needle so that you can say yes to the few things that will is crucial. So how do you do that? And here's the, here's the bonus. The bonus is what I did was I uh, basically put together a mission statement. So I, I felt that all great companies seem to have a mission statement, whether they know it or not. Uh, but, you know, like Disney wants to be the happiest place on earth. Their mission statement is uh, to have every person leave, including children, happy. And, you know, and so basically the idea at Disney is be happy, leave there happy. That's their mission. Just make you happy. And so I realized that all these companies had it. And so I said, what if we had our own mission statement, everybody? So I crafted my own mission statement. It was to be the guy who motivated, donated, inspired, educated, entertained. That's my five point system. So what that does is now when somebody says, Corey, will you take this on? All I have to do is go, is it going to allow me to motivate? Is it going to allow me to inspire? Is it going to allow me to educate? And I go through those five. And if it's one or zero, it's the easiest no I'll ever say in my life. If it's four or five, it's the easiest yes I'll ever say in my life. In both cases without regrets. So what I'm suggesting is you need to know what a yes and no is to you. And the only way to know that is what is your goal? What, what are you trying to achieve? And if this thing's going to take you further away, it's a no. If it's going to take you closer, it's a yes. So ah, now that's what to do is say no, how to do it. And the third part is how to do it without burning a bridge. And I learned this from Shalene Johnson, uh, Turbo Jam fame, uh, also an Instagram uh, guru. But I asked Shalene how she said no without hurting people's feelings. And she said, what she does is her family is a very big part of the business. So she would, uh, if you said to Shalene, hey, will you take this on? She would say, well, you know, with our family, I have to make sure that Brett doesn't have anything planned. Her husband doesn't have anything planned or the kids don't have anything planned. So leave it with me for a day and I'll check and I'll get back to you. If I can't do it, I'll try to link you up with somebody else who can, but I'll let you know for sure either way. Now, what this does is she doesn't have to make a judgment call to answer. It gives her time to think about if she wants to take it on. Uh, she gets to ask her family if that's a part of it. And the person's can't, how do you get mad at somebody? You're saying, if I can't do it, I'll help you find somebody who will. Um, and if I can't do it, it's only because my family, I have to put them first. So that's how you can do it without burning a bridge. So if I were to give a gift to people, I would say, understand that you need to start saying no more than you realize. Uh, understand that you have to know what your mission is if you want to say no. And then I just gave you hopefully an easy way to say it, which is to figure out what your biggest value is and tell the person, look, I just got to make sure it doesn't conflict with that value, but I will get back to you and I will help you in one way or another. Corey Perret, you are so great. I have enjoyed this so much. I am sure that there are many people out there with great takeaways from our talk. Thank you for being here. Last but not least, what does a powerhouse of possibility mean to you? Wow. A powerhouse of possibility. So to me, it means that it means that anything is on the table. Everything's possible. So um, it means that, so I look at, I look at it this way. I grew up in a small, tiny little town. And if I had told people, and this is not a me thing, this is just me reflecting today. 
If I had told people what I'd be doing today, growing up in this town 20 years ago, they would have said, you're out to lunch. I wasn't, it wasn't in my yearbook. It wasn't put likely to succeed, let alone, let alone most likely to succeed. I barely graduated high school. I got a 49 plus one in one of my classes. If I didn't get the plus one, which I know he gave me, I would have failed. And so to me, powerhouse of possibility means if you believe it and have an action plan and take action and surround yourself with the right people, everything is possible. So to me, it's, it means to me, everything is possible no matter how big it is. And I guess oh, that's yeah. And that's just, you know, let's just end it right there. Thank you again so much for being here. And I will put in all the show notes for those that want to reach out to you. What is the best way to do that? Can I give people a free gift? Yes, we love okay. that. I, uh, if I can give people a free gift, that's the easiest way because then we'll be connected anyway when you grab the free gift. Uh, it's something that I should be charging actually $20, $30 for, but I'm going to give people, since you talked about why a lot today, uh, my book uh, is called The Book of Why and How. And it's, it's a mixture of finding your why, but then what do you do? And it goes to what we were saying here. Saying no is one example of a how. Well, like, what do you do once you've found that purpose of yours? How do you actually now tap into it and turn it into something? And so I wrote this book called The Book of Why and How. What I want to gift people is the audiobook. So people can grab the audiobook at thebookofwhyaudio.com. So thebookofwhyaudio.com. If you go there, you literally will get instant access to the full book start to finish. Love it. Thank you again, Corey, so much for being here. What a pleasure. And we could keep talking forever, but we got to end it now. So thank you again. Take care. Thank you so much, Hillary. My pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Silver Lined Relaunch. If I said something today that resonated with you, Will you please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review and share this episode with others and help them find the silver linings as well. And don't forget, you can have immediate access to the show notes, any giveaways, and the links to those amazing beauty products at therelaunchco.com backslash podcast. Until next time, there's always a silver lining. And now is the time to hit the reset button to relaunch those transitions into transformations.